Welcome to the Money Pig Podcast brought to you by Goodwin Investment Advisory, where our mission is to lead you to financial peace, independence, and generosity. I'm your host, Reed Trigo. And if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a question you want us to discuss, you can email us at moneypig at goodwininvestment.com. Today on the show, we are joined by CFP Justin Pitcock. <laughs> no, no applause needed here. It's okay. Hey, you're a big, we have a lot of fans, Justin. You definitely do. That was, right. that was fake. <laughs> <laughs> now they're all they're live in studio today, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I've got an audience here. Yeah. 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 Not really. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So um, the discussion today is going to be about tax strategies because we just came through April, tax season's over. And a lot of people want to know, what can I do now to uh, prepare for tax season next year? Because I remember all these years of whatever I would, you know, go to get my taxes done or maybe talk to my CPA in December and be like, what can I do to reduce my tax liabilities? Like make an IRA contribution, I guess. And there's just, I didn't feel like there was a lot. So this is the time of year to, it would be good for us to kind of lay some things out for people to think about throughout this year. That's right. And, and you need to think about it now and not wait until December or, you know, after the end of the year. So. Well, and I think we all know by now, taxes are literally my kryptonite. They cause me to go into a bit of a paralysis analysis or analysis, what is it? Whatever it is, it stops me cold in my tracks. So I do everything I can to avoid talking about it. But I've taken a deep breath today and we can talk about taxes. Yep. We'll have a good conversation here that may kind of help you out a little bit. It's all because you're here and thank you so much. Okay. So we want to talk about tax strategies for everyone. That's right. Today. Okay. So uh, what can I do now? How would you break this this conversation out to make it simple? So tax deductions are broken into two categories, above the line and below the line. The line is your adjusted gross income. Adjusted well, gross income. Okay. When we, when we think about this, there's things that can lower your AGI. That's above the line. So think, uh, that, think of like uh, pre-tax 401k, HSA contributions, um, any sort of pre-tax deduction out of your paycheck. So the employee component of health insurance lowers your AGI. The pre-tax 401k, Roth does not, but pre-tax does. Um, HSA does. There's like FSA, dependent care, FSA, all these things lower your taxable income. Okay. And that lowers your AGI. Got it. A lot of tax credits are based on your AGI or your modified adjusted gross income, which your modified adjusted gross income adds back a few things, but it doesn't add back anything that's withheld from your paycheck. It would add back like an IRA contribution. Yes, that is a deduction, but it's not an above the line deduction. So it's, it's more, it's more powerful to get it above the line so that you can have any sort of tax credits that you may have been phased out of, let's make them above the line so that any, uh, any other sort of tax credits you, you have the best chance of being eligible for. So when we talk about these above the line deductions, it means, yeah, if you're eligible for an HSA or an FSA, that's going to be very beneficial for you. Yes. And, and that's not only does it save you on income taxes, but it saves you on payroll tax. So that's like, for the employee components, about like another seven and a half percent, roughly. Mm -hmm. Social Security and <clears throat> Medicare. Yes. Yep. yep. So if we, you know, can put money there, 
gosh, you're saving income tax, you're saving on payroll tax, pre-tax 401k, you still have payroll tax taken out, but at least you're reducing your income tax. Awesome. Okay. Got it. Cool. Yep. And then, so the other side of this is the below the line. Below the line deductions. deductions. Right. All right. Okay. So we've, we've gone through, you've got your total income. We've subtracted out pre-tax 401k, HSA, health insurance premiums that are employee paid. Now we've arrived at our adjusted gross income. The other deductions are the ones that people traditionally think of. Like, what can I do now? What can I do after the fact? Those actually are broken into a number of categories. You, charity, um, you can, you know, if you wait till December, what can you do? Uh, okay. You can open up an IRA. <laughs> you, you can give extra money to a church or charity that, that would help. But the other areas would be mortgage interest and state and local tax. And under the current law, state and local tax is capped at 10, $10,000, $10,000. You could mm-hmm. have $50,000 in state, state and local taxes. You can only deduct 10,000 of it. Let's say you have a mortgage. I'd say the average person with a or- mortgage has probably got, um, you know, five to $10,000 of deductibility there, unless you have a, you know, really large mortgage. Um, so, you know, if you're adding these together, y- there's 10 on state and local tax because mm-hmm. you can't get more than that. Then you get your mortgage interest, say the average person, we'll call it five. Okay. So now we're at 15. 15. And then maybe you give away 10 grand over the course of the year. Now you're at a total of $25,000 in itemized deductions. Gotcha. Well, guess what? The standard deduction is 27000 this year. For so, a couple <clears throat> or per person? Per, per couple. Per that's, couple. So that's married okay. filing jointly. Got it. Got it. So that... That additional money that you gave to charity in this example, the ten thousand, that actually did not provide any economic benefit to you mm. because you could have taken the standard anyway. That's not why you were giving, but we're trying to save taxes here. Sure. So, anyways, keep those those main groups in mind: state, state, and local tax at ten, mortgage interest, and charity as as the third category. And and we have the opportunity to navigate that. We can use a donor advised fund and pre-fund our giving for the next year. So keeping this example going, we've given away 10 grand this year. We plan to give away another 10 grand next year. So why not use money that's in your brokerage account? Let's say you have long-term appreciated securities. You can donate those securities without selling them into a donor advised fund. So let's move 10K worth over to this donor advised fund. Those securities get liquidated in the DAF. It's a tax exempt transaction. The DAF doesn't pay any tax on that. You Mm. don't pay any tax on that. All those capital gains are taken tax-free and go to your church or charity. You've also brought forward that future giving into the current tax year. So now you have a $20,000 deduction plus the five for mortgage interest and the 10 for state and local tax. So now we're up to 35,000 and there's an economic benefit to that. Using your DAF, you can make sure that your church or charity still gets the money on the regular monthly basis that you're sending it to them before. So it's not like, oh, let's just bunch our giving, just give them twice as much this year, zero next year. No, that that's not going to help the cash flow of your church or charity. We want it to get to them on a smooth process, and we can do that through the DAF. And so that below-the-line contribution, we're talking charitable contributions here, that below-the-line contribution happens in the year that you transition those funds into the donor advised fund, the DAF. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> and and under the current law, 
this is very advantageous because the standard deduction is so high, right? It's hard for people to have enough itemized deductions to actually exceed the standard. The current law sunsets at the end of 2025. So if you can bunch and, and pre-fund your giving for next year and maybe even the next year, so 2024 and 2025, put two years worth of giving, go ahead and pre-fund that, that, that would be an amazing position to be in. That's amazing. And, and then going back to like, how do you fund this? Well, if you do have a brokerage account with long-term appreciated securities, move those positions over. If you have cash, you can buy those positions back. I mean, I imagine if they've got good gains, they're probably positions you want. Mm -hmm. So use cash to buy them back. You've upped your basis there. You've captured that long-term uh, long capital gain tax-free. Wow. Okay. See, this is, uh, we're all going to be CPAs by the time this <laughs> uh, 15 minute podcast is over. No, that's really good. Um, okay. I feel like I'm getting smarter and, and Justin and I have only talked this through about three times prior to this. And, and I just, this, I'm, this is less kryptonite for me now. So mm -hmm. this is good. Okay. And then I, I do see one other note about medical expenses. If they exceed seven and a half percent of your AGI, those are also below the line deductions that's, too. That's right. And medical expenses are deductible in the year that they're paid, not the year that they're incurred. Oh, okay. So if you have the choice and, and let's, um, let's say that it's the end of the year, you know, you're going to have a surgery next year and you have some medical bills that are due but you can wait until January one to pay them, mm -hmm. roll them into the next year, so that on this year where you know, or maybe your you know your wife's going to have a baby, whatever, push anything that you can push it to January one, push it through so that you can bunch all those together. Okay, good. And um, just for the record, my wife is not going to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a knee replacement, not a baby. Well, you know, if that's you know, same. Yep, and, and you can prepay. So, like, let's say that you know you're. It's it's December, but it's been an expensive medical year for you already. But your wife's going to have a knee replacement. Mm -hmm. Prepay for that surgery in this year if you've already incurred for a, for a lot of the surgery. And so there's there's normally a financial counselor at at the hospital. You could get an estimated price for for your component. Go ahead and pay that now. Try to get above seven and a half percent. Maybe you can deduct that. <laughs> Very so, interesting. Yeah, that yep. <clears throat> it's sort of like you don't give to a charitable organization for the tax deduction. But if you're going to, you might as well find that benefit and you don't get any replacement for the tax deduction nope, either. Nope. Okay. Also keep yep. track of your mileage. mileage. Um, so uh, medical mileage is also deductible and charitable mileage is also deductible. Um, it's a different tax rate than if you were self-employed and, and keeping track of mileage there, but still, still worthwhile. So yeah. keep a spreadsheet. Yeah. And self <laughs> turn it to your CPA. Yep. Yeah. There you go. And, and like, that's, <clears throat> For self-employed or business owners, mileage is like sixty-two or sixty-five oh, yeah. and a half cents per mile or something. It's it's great. I I'm, I don't know the number right offhand, but it's it's a you get paid to drive around. Yeah, you do well. <laughs> you sort of you pay your gas and insurance and everything else. Yep. So, okay, good. Uh, how about state tax deductions? So the main one that our clients deal with is funding the five two nine. Now the state of Georgia has a ton of different incentives for certain behaviors, but the one that that we commonly encounter is uh, college funding. And Georgia does not have a seasoning requirement in their 529, meaning if if you put money in and need to use it tomorrow, you can just run it right through. And now you've caused that to be deductible if. 
<laughs> of course, so, big if. Here's here's an if. You have to be a Georgia resident to use to make a Georgia 529 tax deductible, and you have to also itemize on your federal return. Okay. So if you're not, if you don't have enough of these other itemized deductions on your federal return, and you take the standard on your federal, you're going to have to take the standard on the state, and you won't be able to de- uh, deduct 529 contributions. So that's going to mean typically a higher income earner. Typically, or somebody that's been that's doing a bunching strategy, or okay. um, you know, uh, I mean, maybe they're just a really big giver. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what it boils down to. Great. So, okay. Yep. So now everybody wants to know what can I do to save on my taxes next year? Are there any downsides to that? To taking some of these deductions in the longer term? It's something that can save you money now, mm-hmm. may not save you money over your lifetime. And one of the main things that we think about is, are you saving pre-tax or after-tax in a Roth or in a taxable account? Obviously, pre-tax saves you taxes now. Roth money, however, doesn't save you taxes now, but grows tax-free and is a obviously a tax-free income source in retirement or early retirement. And then taxable accounts, you only pay tax on the gains or interest and dividends. So, okay. We, we want money in all three money types there. And if, if we've just made the decision, we're going to defer, defer, defer and save tax in the current year, all of our money is going to wind up being in, in that one bucket. And later on in life, that can cause you to pay more in taxes than it saved you earlier in life. Okay. Because when you're, let's, let me see if I can do this. When your income, uh, let's say social security income. That's right. Is, is whatever it is later. If your other income is low, you get social security. Yeah. Like, it's excluded from taxable income. Right. But if you have other sources of income that are higher, then your social security benefit is actually taxed. Gets taxed. Yep. So that's, it's a ratio and the maximum amount of your social security that can be included in your taxable income is 85%. Your tax rate's not 85%, just that percentage of your social security income gets taxed at whatever your tax rate is. That's the most of social security that can be included. Our goal would be to not include any social security in your taxable income. And so how do we do that? Well, you have to have a lower other taxable income base. So that would mean money out of a Roth IRA would not go into that equation and allow your social security to not get taxed or a smaller portion of it to not get taxed. Also, pulling money out of a taxable brokerage account. If you only realize a certain amount of gains, then that can keep your social security from getting taxed. So making those type of decisions can save you a ton of money in retirement. Plus, Roth IRAs don't have RMDs. You're not forced to recognize a certain amount of income on that like you would on a pre-tax account. So that's that's one reason. Uh, another reason is if you retire early, what are you going to do for healthcare? Well, right now there's Obamacare. It can be a very low cost um, health insurance option, but your income has to be low enough. So Obamacare is income based, not asset based. Mm-hmm. You could be a multimillionaire and still get nearly free health insurance. The way you do that is if you have saved up Roth money or taxable money and are pulling money out between those two buckets at a low enough amount. Well, the taxable amounts at a low enough amount, you could receive Obamacare, you know, at a very low cost, and and so we we help clients navigate this, and that's another reason that 
you know, if you're in your thirties right now and you're listening to this, you don't know, it's, it's hard to know what your future is going to be like, but we should plan to have these as options later on and, and have some money going pre-tax, some money going Roth and some money going taxable. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Let's, let's move along and talk about tax workarounds for business owners. This will be sort of a short ending segment here, but what do, what do we know about business owners, especially here in the state of Georgia? I think so. The state of Georgia's uh, got a couple programs. Actually, there's really three programs. They all mechanically work the same way, but it's a great opportunity for business owners to um, go beyond just deducting everything that they can. <laughs> you know, obviously, your CPA is going to help you do that, but a, a business owner has the choice to redirect their state tax dollars to either a hospital or a school. Okay, the hospital program is called Georgia Heart. Uh, the school programs called Georgia Goal, and a business owner can redirect their state taxes from going to the general fund mm-hmm. to either a hospital or a school of their choosing. There's an application you have to apply for this in advance. You get approved, and then you have to write a check to that organization. And you mean you can redirect the money that you would be paying in Georgia state income tax? Yes, five dollars yeah. for dollars. So if you if you yeah. owe you know twenty grand and and state taxes. You can give it to the general fund of the state of Georgia, or you can send it to a hospital or a school. How do people practically do that? Like, how do they know what that's going to be? Like, at the start of 2023, I wouldn't know what my number is going to be until December. It's planning. So if you're planning to do this, you'll you'll need to go ahead and and apply around mid-year. Otherwise, you could be phased out because there are caps on these programs. Got it. Okay. I believe the Georgia Heart Program caps at $60 And the Georgia Heart Program caps cool. at 100 million, which is once the states reach that limit, you can't do this anymore. Okay, not until next year. <laughs> yeah, because we actually did this when our son was in private school over here. Um, we contributed to Georgia Goal or something else, just because at that Georgia point Goal. you could yep. kind of um, apply for it. Yeah, and I remember you had to do it in a certain amount of time; otherwise, there would be yep. limits on it. But somehow you could almost get that money directed right back to that specific that's, school. That's right. Oh yep. yeah. Yep. And. and so you've redirected your state taxes there. You haven't reduced your state tax liability. But when you do that, if you're a business owner and you're supporting the local hospital or the local school, and there's reason to believe that you're building goodwill in the community by doing this, mm-hmm. the IRS has published a, a white paper on this saying this, by redirecting, you've caused all of this to be deductible as a marketing expense. Oh, and they, they've got some guidelines on it. They've uh, published a, a lot of information that's you know good to read through and, and see, it. would this make sense for our business? Um, we have a, a client that um, does ultrasound machines, sells ultrasound mas- machines and, and refurbishes them for, for her business. Hmm. So like, this, this is perfect for her. She can you know, redirect her state taxes to a hospital and then expect goodwill, right? I mean, she's probably making a donation to the CEO at the hospital and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm giving you my state taxes. <laughs> right. And and this that should help her business. Sure. And and then all of that money is now deductible because remember that $10,000 state and local tax cap? Yeah. Well, now that cap goes away. Wow, really? And so okay. she, let's just say she has instead of, you know, Let's, let's say she's got 20 grand worth of state tax liability. She's redirected that. She's given that to the hospital. She can write off all of that now mm, instead okay. of the cap at 10. Great. Um, so both of those programs work the same. Georgia also has, uh, it's one of the states that has done the SALT 
workaround, the state and local tax workaround. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a couple years ago that they passed the legislation. Um, so it, basically any any sort of uh, pass-through ent- entity can pay all of their state tax liability through the business and avoid getting hit or getting limited by that 10000 cap on the personal side. So if you're the owner of a pass-through business, you, you need to be talking to your CPA about the SALT workaround, Georgia Heart, or Georgia Goal. Awesome. That is good. I feel smarter. And it, I didn't even have to bring out like Monopoly money and little houses and Legos <laughs> to help me understand this time. It was so, so good. All right. Well, good. As financial advisors, we manage and rebalance portfolios, but the real value, the unique value that we work is that we work to understand our client's individual goals so we can have these types of planning conversations that are so personal and unique to each individual. Thanks again for being with us, Justin. Happy to be here. All right. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review, follow our show, ring that bell, whatever you want to do, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, if you have a question you would like us to address, you can submit it by emailing moneypig at goodwininvestment.com. Till next time, go be a pig. The Money Pig Podcast is hosted by Reed Trigo, a financial advisor at Goodwin Investment Advisory. This podcast is intended to share information and perspectives, but should not be interpreted as legal, financial, or tax advice. The opinions shared by participants are not necessarily endorsed by the company. Goodwin Investment Advisory is regulated by the SEC, and the company operates in compliance with applicable securities, laws, and regulations. 